back, baby. Episode 17 of The Bentley Show. I am your host, Scott Bentley, and I definitely did not just record for 10 seconds, not have any clue what episode we were on, then stop and re-record once I found out. That definitely did not happen. This is The Bentley Show. I'm your host, Scott Bentley. Um, a, a weekend where like no games were played, like the Tigers played, uh, which is great, but the Tigers played two spring training games and then no one else played. The wings have like five days off in a row. Um, the, uh, the Pistons, it was all-star weekend. So not only did the Pistons not play, but not a single person on the Pistons played because nobody made all-star weekend from the Detroit Pistons. Uh, and the Lions are in the off season, so a lot of not, uh, <laughs> not a lot of a lot of Detroit sports were played over the weekend. However, there's still some stuff to talk about. The Tigers, obviously, we have two spring training games to go over, so we will go in depth on those and the individual performances that keep arising from it, the positional battles, etc. Uh, for the Pistons, Blake Griffin. Officially signs with the Nets, so we're going to talk about that, what it means for the Pistons, what it means for the Nets, and then if we have time, we'll go over a little bit of how All-Star Weekend went. Uh, then the Detroit Red Wings, as stated, had no games, but we have Larkin coming back a big week this week, game against the Lightning tomorrow. Uh, then we're going to talk about Bernier and kind of the situation that we find that we find ourselves in with him and that he finds himself in. And then the Detroit Lions... There's been rumors about trying to trade Chase Daniel as well as uh, our current cap situation. And then there was an article written by the uh, the Free Press about our running back room. So we're going to go over that a little bit. So that is what we're covering on this episode of The Bentley Show, which is definitely episode 17. I'm your host, Scott Bentley. Let's get right into it. The Detroit Tigers over the weekend played two games. Uh, one against the Baltimore Orioles. That was the Saturday game, which was uh six to five final, so a, a decently eventful game. Uh, and then you had the Blue Jays game on Sunday, which was a five to one final. Uh, way way less eventful, but eventful or not, it doesn't really matter because we cannot watch any of these games. We can watch none of them. Zero. How fun is that? We don't get to watch any spring games. It drives me insane. It makes me so unbelievably angry. Uh, it's unreal. It's unreal to me. You, you have a rebuilding team where all we have to look forward to is prospects. And yet, we don't get to watch them unless we play the Yankees. That's literally it. We got one random televised game against the Pirates for some reason. Besides that, unless we play the Yankees, you're not watching the Tigers. It's unbelievably frustrating that this is all, this is like, like, hey, you know, Tort Green, Manning, all these guys we've been hearing about for, for years, 
Yeah, man. Uh, you're not. Uh, you you don't get to watch them. Have fun with this 100 loss product in the regular season, though, that you get to watch every game of. Oh, man. Ridiculous, ridiculous, ridiculous. I could go on a whole hour about that alone. It pisses me off to no end. But we have some player individual performances to talk about. So we'll start. We'll go chronologically, right? We're big on that here at the Bentley Show. So let's start with Michael Fulmer. Uh, now, this Orioles team is already bad, and their spring training roster is even worse. So, let, you know, we're taking this with a grain of salt. However, Fulmer uh, looked, pr- looked, again, looked is relative. We didn't actually get to see him. Uh, his stats were really good. He goes two innings, one hit, no runs, no walks, and a strikeout. Beautiful. Apparently, the velocity got up into the mid-90s, 94, 95, which is great considering how how that long road he's had to get his velocity back to somewhat of a respectable level. Um, look, man, like Fulmer, I, I don't have to tell anybody this, that Michael Fulmer was absolute garbage last year. And it's not even his fault. Like, usually... A, it's the team's fault that he even got hurt in the first place. We'll start with that, but that's a story for a different day. Um, he is not he. Usually, when you're coming back from TJ, you have a long rehab stint, whatever. You go through the minors. You slowly get your velocity back, and then when you're ready, ready, you come to the majors. Well, with no minor league season last year, the only way he could pitch in-game was to just throw him at the major league level. So... It's not even really his fault that he looked as bad as he did last year. That's just part of the rehab process for him. You know what I mean? And and he just happened to do it at the major league level. Ridiculous. Just so unfortunate. And and man, like he his rookie year, his first two years here were so so incredible. He was so good. He was so good. And uh, it's obviously horrible, the the situation that he currently finds himself in. Um, that being said, as stated, he looked he looked pretty solid, or his stats looked pretty solid. Apparently, the fastball was in the mid nineties, like I said. Bitch count was low. He got through those two innings and and not very many pitches at all. Um, so that's that's awesome. That's awesome. Good, good for Fulmer. Good on him. Hopefully, this is a sign of things to come. If the velocity comes back, he doesn't ever need to be like a six, seven inning starting pitcher like he was pre Tommy John. Like if he can just get the velocity back, we have we have enough starting pitchers coming up and enough money that in theory we should be spending right. That it it makes. He he can be valuable to this team out of the bullpen, I guess is my point. He can go two innings and, and pitch lights out ball out of the pen. Like he he doesn't he doesn't ever need to be that now if he does become that, that's icing on the cake, right? Obviously we'll I'm never not gonna take starting pitching, especially depth. But uh he is at a point where if he can even turn around and become a solid reliever 
I, I would gladly take it. I would gladly take it given the last two years that he's had. Roller coaster um, of, of a career, really, for him at this point. Traded, rookie of the year, Tommy John, out for a year and a half, back and horrible. So hopefully this is a sign of things to come. Again, it's a spring game against a horrible Orioles team, but we'll take what we can get. Solid performance by him. The the big pitching performance was Scooble apparently looked phenomenal. Apparently, Tarek Scooble looked unbelievable. Two innings, one hit, no walks, two Ks. Uh, uh, man, by all reports, he looked absolutely electric, which is obviously fantastic. Um, he, I would be absolutely stunned if he didn't make the starting rotation out of camp at this point. I think it's all but, all but finalized. All but... Uh, uh, I don't even know what the expression I'm trying to think of right now. All but over? All but... I don't know, man. I have no idea where I'm going with that. Um, but the... Uh, apparently, he looked unbelievable. The stuff looked good. The command looked good. Um, he did that work on a pretty low pitch count as well, similar to Fulmer. So, beautiful, beautiful performance by Scooble. Beautiful picture taken by uh by the Tigers as well. That's picture that went kind of viral of, of him pitching into the night. Super cool photo. Um so Tarek Scoobel, phenomenal performance. Um Buck Farmer did well, blah the only other notable one was Bo Burrows got rocked. Wow. It's almost like when I said after the first spring training game, and I came on here and said, hey, let's calm down. He had one good inning. He's not a guaranteed to make the roster. Because remember how everybody freaked out? He pitched a shutout inning with a new delivery, and everybody's like, hey, he's making the team out of camp. Oh, my gosh, dude. Call, you got to calm down, man. We're still, even today. That was, that was a week ago, and even today, we're still very early in the spring and have a long way to go. So we got to calm down with that. Burroughs still has a lot of velocity issues and doesn't really have a breaking ball. So still got a lot to work on. Did not look good. The only other notable one is Kyle Funkhauser got absolutely pumped. He looked terrible. Um, look, man, I just – I've completely given up on Kyle Funkhauser. Basically, at one point, you probably could have convinced me that he was going to be a, a major league piece of the future for this team back when the minor league system was like one of the worst in the history of baseball. However, now it there, I, yeah, he's like an out of baseball in a couple of years candidate. So I don't know. I, I don't think very highly of Funkhauser these days. Um, offensively. This game was highlighted by Torgelson and Green batting back-to-back -back in the lineup. Um, neither of them get a hit. However, both of them score a run because they had back-to-back -back walks, which is super cool, super awesome to see. Again, not, a not against a great pitching by any means, but I don't even care. I really don't. They're not going to make the Major League Club anyway. They're going up against pitchers of their supposed caliber. Uh, it's awesome to see, and I, I'm I'm a walks. I don't even know. I, I love walks. Walks are like my favorite thing. 
So they draw back-to-back walks in, in one of the innings. Again, couldn't watch, so kind of hard to recall. Uh, and then Kristen Stewart drove both of them in. We'll get to him at the end of the segment. Badu gets another hit. He stays hot, continues to put the pressure on the organization to, to keep him around. So that'll be something to continue watching. Um, yeah, that's probably about it for the Baltimore game for, for notable uh, things that happened. So we go on to the Blue Jays game. Um, this one was a little weird. First off, Nomar Mazzara finally is in camp, makes his first start, uh, goes 0 for 2 with a walk. Again, first start of the spring, hasn't even been in camp, so, you know, whatever, take that with a massive grain of salt. Robbie Grossman draws a walk, doesn't get a hit, his batting average is garbage, and people are like, oh, oh my gosh, dude, we're a week into spring training, holy cow. He's been in the, like, 90th or above percentile in walk percentage, like, his entire career, okay? We don't, we didn't sign him to hit 300, we signed him to get on base. Whether that's a walk or a hit, it doesn't matter. So, calm down. He's going to be fine. Uh, Kristen Stewart, 0 for 1 with the K. We'll get to him. Willie Castro, man, 1 for 3 with an RBI. Has a 1,000 OPS. Sorry, a 1,000 slugging percentage <laughs> this spring. A 1,500 OPS. Uh, obviously, that's a very, very small sample size. But he's leading the team in every single category for spring. He's leading them in, like, hits, RBIs. Um, extra base hits, maybe, I don't think runs, I don't know. He's leading the team in damn near every offensive category. Got to give him a lot of props. If he stays hot and then continues that, what he did last year, it's going to be phenomenal. The thing is, can he get on base without that ridiculously high BABIP? Because the BABIP last year is unsustainable. It was like 440 or something or 430 or something. Absolutely just ignorant okay so uh he can be a a non-power kind of hit to contact guy but it's gonna be what it's just gonna come down to when that BABIP is no longer over 400 which is literally impossible to maintain over a full season um is he still going to be productive and that's what it's gonna come down to and by the looks of it he's off to a damn good start this spring so by the looks of it it looks like uh he might, he might just do it. He's just got to figure out what position he can play at an average level because it's still not shortstop. But this series, again, I like to cover all my bases when I talk about him because people just nitpick everything I say about Willie Castro. Um, again, I don't think the future of the of the Tigers is him at shortstop. However, um, put him at short this year. It doesn't really matter. We don't have anybody else to play the position, so why not? Um, Torkelson again, draws a walk, but strikes out twice. So Torkelson, uh, the one thing I wanted to cover about him, uh, he does not have a hit yet this spring. He has several walks. I think he has four, four walks somewhere around there. Give or take one. He has four walks. Um, but he, he does yet to get a hit. Remember. The last time he played professional baseball was when he was in college, okay? This is a slight learning curve. He's still drawing walks. He's just swinging through some balls in the zone. His eye is still there, which is really all that matters. The swing will develop. The the timing will develop. 
the bat to ball skill will develop as long as he's he's recognizing pitches and swinging at pitches he wants and taking pitches he doesn't the rest will follow and he is doing that so it's very much okay okay the only other story there's two. Oh, there's maybe three okay first off Mize pitched this game almost had a 50 pitch count in two innings with three walks and a strikeout however no hits and no runs uh the first his first inning of work he looked really good supposedly again we didn't watch this game um but the first inning of work clean slate perfect inning no hits no walks um got out of it one two three then the second inning, he walks the bases loaded, and then he gets two outs, then walks the bases loaded, then strikes uh, the guy out to get out of the inning. So, the again, 50 pitches in two innings is, is not good. That is, that is very, very high. So, again, uh, we don't need to go too much in depth on this because I've said it a million times. His command needs a lot of work. His mechanics need a lot of work, which is why... On opening day, I'm not saying this will happen, I'm saying if. If on opening day, Casey Mize is not on the opening day roster, I need everybody that listens to this show to realize that that is okay. Don't be one of the people that's running around with their like a chicken with their head cut off if he doesn't make the roster opening day. I'm not even saying he, w- he won't. Odds are still pretty good he does. I'm not saying he won't, but if he doesn't, it's not a big deal. He has a ton of mechanics to work on, and he has a ton of command issues to work on. He can go pitch like a month, like literally four or five starts at the AAA level, then get called up. He's going to start at least 15 games this year at the Major League level, no matter what, no matter what level he starts at. So starting the season in the minors for like a month to kind of work, get his bearings and work on his command and his mechanics a little bit more is not the end of the world because he still very much needs to improve in those departments. Okay, now, am I going to be mad if he makes the opening day roster? Absolutely not because then he gets to work with Fetter and he gets to pitch at the major league level. I'm just saying if he doesn't, for some reason, it's really not that big of a deal and I need everybody listening to this to not be part of the problem of people screaming and and freaking out if he didn't, okay? Two more stories. Jose Urena was absolutely terrible. He, you want to talk about command issues? That dude could not have hit water if he fell out of a fucking boat. It was really, really bad. Again, no footage. We didn't see. However, he went an inning and two-thirds with a hit, a run, Three walks, no Ks, 40 pitches, and hit, I think, two batters. He hit at least one. I think he hit two batters. I mean, holy cow. He, it was rough. And it's going to be interesting to see what they do with him because he he was a starter. However, he struggled uh, a lot, as most people that have pitched for the Marlins the last five years have. Um, so he, he really, he, he went to the bullpen. They were like, okay, like you, you've been, you haven't been that good of a starter, you know, ZRA's around five. Like you haven't been that great. You're not terrible, but you haven't been that good. 
So we're going to see if you uh, if you can just like let it rip in the bullpen. Um, just throw as hard as you can for an inning. He did, wasn't that much better there. So my point is he, he's been a starter and a reliever now at this point at the major league level. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what the Tigers do with him. I, I, I'm fairly confident in, in my assessment that he was brought in to be a starter. However, and again, we, we have to say the same thing about the negatives we do as the positives, right? Like it's one start in spring, but if that's a sign of things to come, uh, I don't know what the rotation is going to look like. Honestly, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a wild one. All right, lastly, we're going to end on Kristen Stewart. This is just really quick. Kristen Stewart has more at-bats than anyone else in this entire organization this spring, and he has been absolutely horrible. I think the Kristen, exper- the Kristen Stewart experiment is over. His, he's, his batting average is 100. He has no walks, and his one hit is a single. And he's leading the team in at-bats. Um, it, it, it's over, man. And I love him to death. He's my phone background. He's one of my favorite players, or was in 2019, easily. I was super high on him when he uh, when he came out of Toledo. Home run hitter at the minor league level. We were told he is a horrible defender, but he makes up for it. He's going to hit, you know. 25 30 bombs for you year in and year out and yet here we are and he he's terrible man and it's so sad it's so sad I, I really like him I really do and and whatever the the you know future of his career brings I, I wish him nothing but the best but it I highly doubt it's at the major league level for a team man it's it's tough it's really tough. Um, was supposed to be a corner outfielder of the future. Just another on a long list of corner outfielders of the future for this team that just have not panned out. Dating all the way back to like the Brennan Bosch era, Andy Dirks, you name it, man. Just a long list of, of corner outfielders um, that were supposed to be really valuable to this team and just aren't. So... Sad, sad, obviously, the fact that it needs to be this needs to be said is sad, but like obviously no no uh personal anything against the guy. I still love him to death, but he has looked so bad for a year and change now. It's just so sad, man, so sad, but the uh, I, basically, I, I just like the time is over. Um, I don't think he's making the team out of camp, and he I don't know how many options he has left. He, that might even mean he just gets DFA'd. I don't even know if anyone's picking him up. He's like 26, 27 now. I, it's it's tough, man. It's tough. It's tough. It's tough. So Kristen Stewart, uh, I. You know, that, that quote-unquote log-jammed outfield that we talked about and how Badu is going to make the roster. Kristen Stewart is not one of the people in his way, I guess is my point. Um, that'll be a, a Toledo start or a start for another organization if he gets DFA'd and picked up on waivers. All right. That will do it for the Detroit Baseball 
Tigers. Uh, I'm recording this on Monday, in which we have an off day, um, but we're back right on the ground. I think we play the Yankees again tomorrow, so we'll actually be televised, which is cool, because we're only televised when we play the Yankees, so that'll be nice. Hopefully, Torgelson, Green, Manning, and fun people play. Um, but then we're going to go back to like a week of, of non-televised games again. So, woohoo! I love the MLB trying to grow the brand in the game. Definitely not ruining the sport every day. Okay. Let's move on to the Detroit Basketball Pistons. Now, uh, as you're listening, you are usually used to 15-minute increments of each. The first one obviously ran way long. That's because the Pistons did literally nothing this past weekend. So, we have stuff to talk about just not uh, a full segment's worth as as usual. Um, Blake Griffin, as stated on Friday's show, bought out, and as predicted on Friday's show, not even predict. I'm not trying to toot my own horn. It, it was pretty obvious. Um, other people predicted it. I reported the prediction. <laughs> I'm not I, – I didn't call it. Um, but as stated on, on Friday's show, Odds were really good that he was just going to go to Brooklyn. That's what all the reports said. And sure enough, within 48 hours of that show, um, he's in a Brooklyn Nets uniform. Uh, I'm pretty sure he debuts Thursday. So, first off, I just want to say, I've said it a million times, but I wish Blake nothing but the best. He's always going to have a very large place in the heart of this city. Everybody here loves him will will forever be uh, uh will full will forever last in Pistons lore his 2018 seasons one of the best single seasons in the history of this storied franchise i mean the last 10 years of Pistons basketball has obviously been quite irrelevant but if you're looking at franchise histories the the Pistons are a top 10 franchise probably top 7 or 8 franchise in, in the history of the sport so uh, putting together one of the best single seasons in, in the history of this franchise is an accomplishment. Um, and yeah, so he wish him nothing but the best. We'll always have a, a, a big place in the hearts of, of Pistons fans everywhere and myself. So the Nets. Um, well, yeah, let's start with the Nets. Um, he, you know, obviously it's a huge name and I'm not trying to kill any excitement. Um, but it, you're not getting you're not getting prime Blake. You're not getting Pistons 2018 Blake. Uh, he he has not looked very good this year. Um, definitely a a um <laughs> a it's just his knees, man. A, age age and and knees are catching up to him. It's it's and it's sad, but. You know, it, man, he's going to be solid big man depth. He is. He's going to be really solid depth um, at at either power forward or, or even stretch five. Um, and he's, he's going to, I think he's a good fit. I like the move for them. I'm not saying it's not a good move. I'm just saying if you're expecting like they have a big four and you're going to get like all-star Blake, like you are very much mistaken. Um, he, he's not going to, if, if that Nets team is fully healthy, Blake Griffin is not a starter on it. You know, like that's, that's the caliber of, of player you're getting. However, with his passing and that roster, 
Um, he, he's one of the best big man facilitators in the entire NBA and has been for three or four years now. Um, honestly, he has been most of his career. Uh, his passing, obviously, the, the dunks is what made him famous, but his passing has never gotten the credit that it deserves, man. He's, he's a very good facilitator. Um, and with a team with that much scoring, that's going to be so fun to watch. He, uh, like I said, he can come in and, and play and play the four or stretch five for that team. I think it's a really good fit. I do. I, he's not a guy at, at his current state that needs the ball. Honestly, even with the Clippers, he, you know, that was a Chris Paul ran team. He wasn't, he wasn't running point. And really the only time that happened was the 2018 run by the Pistons where he was basically running point guard as a power forward. Um, but again, that's just an, a, a testament to his passing. So I think that this is a, a really good fit. Um, I just want to tame everyone's like, oh my gosh, we, we have four superstars on our team. Like, no, you, you still only have three. Um, but that being said, I, I love the fit. Um, and I really, really just want Blake to, to get a ring. I really, I would love Blake Griffin to, to finally finally get a ring and be able to retire with a ring um for for basketball hall of fame standards Blake is is definitely a hall of famer um and a ring would all but all but uh seal that is that a good expression all but all but confirm that I don't know what I'm saying bro um you get the point <laughs> so that is, uh, that's the assessment on the Nets side, the Pistons side. Obviously, he, you know, there, there's not a ton, nothing new happened just because he signed with Brooklyn because he hasn't been playing with us for weeks, right? So our rotation is the same after this weekend because um, we, we've already been playing without him. Uh, Sadiq Bay is going to continue to get minutes. Jeremy Grant's going to come back and continue to get minutes, obviously. Um, Isaiah Stewart, you know, all the, all the forward and, and above forwards and centers on the team are going are going to continue to get more minutes because of Blake's absence. Uh, but again, we've been, we've, we've been new because he hasn't played with us for a couple weeks now. He's been sitting out. So, um, nothing really new there, but Blake Griffin, obviously dunk contest legend. Uh, and this past weekend was the NBA All-Star Weekend. Just want to spew my thoughts and feelings out there about uh, All-Star Weekend. All-Star Weekend's one of the... I know it gets it gets a lot of heat, but it, it, I love it every year. It, it's one of my favorites. Um, the game is usually not something I really care about, but obviously Saturday night is, is in my mind, always must-watch TV. My dad and I have a tradition where, you know, we, we've watched it pretty much every year of my life. Um, and, and yeah, so it, I, I love it. Um, this year was obviously a lot weirder, um, a lot weirder. And I'm, I'm interested to know if the format is going to stay. So for those who didn't watch, which I, I don't blame you, it was a weird year. It was kind of hard to get super into it. Um, or as, as at least as into it as most years, I didn't even know it was last night until like 3 PM, like for real. Um, 
I found out while while I was on air broadcasting spring training games for Diamond Digest. I I learned that it, the All Star game was was that night. I was like, oh damn. <laughs> um, so I think that there is. I would not be surprised if that format stuck around. Um, the 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 doing like at the end of each quarter you get the donate thing to the charity and and then the overall game score also get like I I don't whatever like that can stay it can go whatever whatever results in the most money being donated to charity it, like that's the format you can keep um, especially the, they had a lot of really great causes black owned university and, and majority black universities and stuff um, so that's super cool causes and everything whatever results in the most money being donated is fine I don't, I don't really care about the format of the game however the format of three-point contest right before tip-off first half of the game dunk contest at halftime second half of the game I think might stick around I don't know I obviously it's going to depend on on the tv on the ratings right which haven't come out yet that's that's gonna be the the biggest uh, biggest. What am I even trying to say, bro? I like my vocabulary right now is terrible, and I don't know why. Usually, I have a pretty decent vocabulary. I feel like, and today I can't think of any word to use. Um, that is going to determine a lot. Obviously, the views and and ratings are just gonna determine quite a bit. However, I think that. I don't know. Maybe not. Because, like, if if it's going to depend on the ratings. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking in my head about this as I'm speaking. But I think it's going to determine. It's going to be based on ratings. Like, if you can get, a, 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 you know, million or whatever views and people tuning in on Saturday night and then you know, three quarters of that crowd returns on Sunday, you're probably going to keep two. But if no one's watching the All-Star game, if the views are terrible for the All-Star game, and instead you can get like 1.3 mil or 1.4 mil total to just watch both mishmashed into one, maybe that's better. I don't know. I don't know how the, the economics of viewership works well enough to know which one is, is going to make you more money and, w- and which one is more beneficial for the league. Um, but regardless, it was super interesting to see. I'm glad they tried it, honestly. Like, everybody's so quick to just hate on everything these days. Um, but in a, in a weird year where you can't really even have fans there anyway, you know, they had like 2,000 fans in the entire arena. Why not try some weird shit? You know what I mean? Like, why not? Just see what happens. Let's just see what we have. Let's see if it's a maintainable thing. Let's Let's see. Why not? It's not hurting anybody. Um, also, Team LeBron was so much better. Like, I don't know what Kevin Durant was doing. Like, that was, that was, it was, like, ridiculous. <laughs> LeBron, LeBron's team was so much better. LeBron didn't play three quarters, and they still dominated. Like, one of the perks of LeBron being the GMs of one of the teams is having the best player in the world just be already on one of the teams. 
LeBron drafted so well, he did not play three of the four quarters, and they still won every single quarter and obviously the overall game. I don't know, but like the and it was one of those things where everybody knew off rip. Wasn't like, oh, what a surprise. Like, no, everybody knew on paper LeBron's team was way better. Like, way better. So, interesting. Interesting setup the first time the All-Star game. Points, the game itself has been set up that way with the quarter-by-quarter thing. Uh, Also interesting, the skills challenge, the three-point challenge, the first quarter, the second quarter, the dunk contest, the third quarter, the fourth quarter. Interesting setup. Uh, I'm curious to see if that's going to be a thing going forward and they just make it one big-ass long night or if it's more beneficial for them to keep it in a separate like that. I, again, I don't know. I don't know uh, I don't know the, the business side of it well enough to know which one's more beneficial, but super cool to say the least. Uh, I, I know a lot of people didn't really care about it. Again, I always love it. I, I still thought it was enjoyable. The Steph versus Dame half-court shoot-off was incredible. Steph winning another three-point contest was incredible. Um, the dunk contest was a snooze fest, but it has been for a couple years now. Um, actually, that's not true. Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon saved the dunk contest just for the voters to absolutely exile Aaron Gordon and honestly, probably Zach Levine too. Shout out Zach Levine, by the way, man. When he first came to the league, thought of just an athletic freak that couldn't really do anything else. Made it made a lot of dunk contests. What did he make? Two or three. Um, gets traded to Chicago, works on his craft, becomes just a pure scorer. And is now such a good shooter that he actually was in the three-point contest as well. One of the short list of players that uh had made both the dunk contest and the three-point contest in their career so so shout out to Levine man what a what a fun a fun career arc he has had that's that's super cool to see um and no Pistons made it because Jeremy Grant was robbed all right we'll end on that note I love ending on that justice for Jeremy for real all right, let's move on to the Detroit Hockey Red Wings. No games this weekend. We have like a, a five-day layoff. We just we just haven't played in like five. We last played Thursday, and we don't play again until um, Tuesday. So like just a random five-day kind of layoff there, which is interesting. Um, so no games to recap. Uh, but we have the Lightning coming up tomorrow. Um if you want a full breakdown of the uh, series or the week's worth of games and the lightning and, and the trade talks and everything, as always, I will plug the Locked On Red Wings podcast. I co-host it with Ethan Smith and Nolan Bianchi. It is fantastic. All Red Wings every single day. It's five every day, Monday through Friday. We have a new episode. Just a great, great Great show, great people, very fun to listen to, and we'll give you a full podcast episode just about the Wings and not all these other teams that you may or may not care about. Um, but that being said, let's get into it. The, the Lightning um, are way better than us, so this is going to be really ugly. The silver lining is, A, it looks like a lot of people are coming back from injuries. We kind of started to see some people come back. 
uh, for Thursday's game or like start to reports of them maybe getting healthier. And then we get a five-day layoff. So Larkin's coming back. I, st- I think Burt's status is still up in the air. But Larkin's coming back. Fabry is working his way back in. Um, so at a bare minimum, we will have that going for us. We will have the uh, we will have the captain back on the ice for that game. Um, look, man, this team is still bad. But <laughs> in case you didn't know, this team is still not very good. Um, the Lightning are way better than us. We're probably going to get trounced uh and that's you know probably the the optimistic side of me (laughs) has says that we're only going to lose by like a couple of goals maybe I don't know it's probably not going to be super pretty I guess is my point that being said haven't had wings game in five games five days uh it'll be nice to to watch the wings play again uh this is this Tampa Bay team's just a juggernaut this is a team that's in first place, not just like, like good, like legitimately first place in like half the team categories, like the, like goal, goals, a game first goals against the game first, uh, goal differential first power play fifth penalty kill third, um, PIMS 30th save percentage first face off percentage 18th, whereas we are fourth better at face-offs than the best team in the NHL. Let's go, baby. Thank you, Luke Lendenning, <laughs> who's probably single-handedly responsible for that. Um, so, interesting. Uh, the one thing is is their PIMS being being the second-worst team in the NHL in, in penalty minutes is, is kind of wild. Um, but... Besides that, they're they're unbelievable in every other aspect. Uh, they almost have the opposite record of us. Man, they're a minus three fifteen, bro. They're a minus three fifteen. They opened at minus two eighty six. Holy cow! Seventeen four and two. Again, 7, 16, and 3, almost the exact opposite records, like I said. They're already 2-0 and against us this year. We're on a three-game losing streak. They're 7-2-1 and in their last 10. Just not a – and especially us coming off a five-day break. I don't know, man. That's the age-old argument, right? Does that five-day break mean that you're going to come in well-rested and, like, kill it and be super good? Or does that five-day break mean you haven't played in five days – you're you're slow. You're lethargic. You need a you need a game to to reset yourself to game speed, right? Age old debate. Age old debate. Um. Yeah, this game's not going to be good. The only uh other Red Wings news I have before we move on to the to the lines here is Bernier. Um. First off, I'm not going to talk about the Thomas Grice thing. Whatever, dude. Like whatever <laughs> dude dude's clearly an idiot but like whatever I'm not gonna make a whole thing about talking about that it's it's whatever he's a dumbass let's move on as a society okay Bernier um I think 
Hmm. So Nolan and I, the the other co-hosts at, at Locked On Wings, have talked a lot about Bernier and his future with the team. His just his future of of his NHL career. Um, it's interesting. It's really, really interesting. Um, he's been great. He's been incredible for us. He's done absolutely the most you could possibly ask of him. And not only that, he's doing it behind one of the worst defenses I've ever laid my eyes on. And, and Nolan's, Nolan's great line that I steal from him all the time is Bernier has an over 500 record on a team that every night they go out there, you expect them to lose. No matter who the Wings play, whether it's Ottawa or Tampa Bay, you go into the game on puck drop going, well, time to lose. And Bernier has an over 500 record on the season when he's in net. It's beyond impressive. Now he's in his early 30s. So time is, is not on his side when it comes to his value, his stock value, okay? However, this is super interesting. This is super interesting. You got to move him, right? Right? Like, don't you kind of have to trade him? Like, I know we've, uh, like, Glenn Denning, you pretty much, again, have to trade Stall, if anyone gives you anything for him, please take it immediately. Don't even shop the market. Just press accept. Um, like, Mantha's been questioned, but, like, he could still be part of the future plans. You know, we, we're not really sure. Um, Larkin obviously isn't going anywhere. Uh, Fabry, maybe, probably not, though. Um you know what I mean? Like, like we have these these pieces. Bobby Ryan, you pretty much have to trade, right? Like, you kind of have to. However, man, the Bernier question's interesting. It's really interesting. He's been incredible. Behind a better defense, he'd be even more incredible. Okay? Without a doubt in my mind. Like, I, I think he'd be having an unreal season if he was behind a, a relatively decent defense. But he's not. <laughs> so, here we are. Um, what kind of... Ret- like, first off, I think the market's there. Okay? I think that... Goalie, I kind of view as, like, quarterback in the NFL. Where, like... The market usually for trading goalies is not really a thing. But this year, for some reason, like one of the first times ever, everybody was trading quarterbacks because a lot of teams were like a quarterback away. I think that's probably a similar situation to the market in the NHL. In Historically, goalies are not really like trade deadline trade pieces. And if they are, honestly – the return for goalies in the last decade has been pretty weak because, again, they don't get traded. Why am I going to overspend on the only goalie on the market, right? But I think this year might might be different. 
in the same again in the same way I view quarterbacks. That's why I didn't think we were getting a good return for Stafford because quarterbacks don't get traded. It just doesn't happen. And yet this year, like seventeen were traded. I think it might be the same situation in 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 hockey land. I'm not saying we're going to get a fat return for Bernier because he probably would not be the best goalie on the market. There's uh, Gibson and Am- Anaheim, depending on what they do. He's still pretty young, uh, but they're definitely a rebuilding team, and, and he's one of the best goalies in the league. So if if they could sneak a, a fat return for him, you got to think that they probably would do it, right? Um, so... Uh, Bernier is not necessarily going to be the best goalie on the market, but he's going to be one of the better ones. He might even be second best. Honestly, if Gibson doesn't get moved, hell, he might even be the best. You know what I mean? Like, he's going to be up there. He's had a damn good year. A damn good year behind a shit defense. I don't know, man. I think you... I don't know if he's in quite in the class of like the Bobby Ryan and Luke Glendening for like, okay, it literally is stupid to hold on to these dudes. Like you have to trade them. You literally have to, but he's, he's damn close to getting there. He's really damn close to, to being in that same situation, man, for real. It'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see. Obviously he needs to keep playing well for starters, um, but also it's going to, a lot of it's gonna gonna rest in the hands of the goalie market, um, and then as we get closer to the trade deadline, you know, if you get trade to Canada and you're in the United States, you have to quarantine for two weeks before you can play. So I don't think there's gonna be a lot of deadline deals between American and Canadian teams. There's a lot going on, a lot going on, but it'll be super interesting to see. Um, I don't know, man. I I think it probably makes a lot of sense to trade him, and when we do, Nolan said this a lot too. When we do. This entire city is going to realize just how good Bernier actually was. Because our we're going to give up like seven goals a game after we trade him. Our goalie situation is going to plummet. It's going to plummet. So people are really going to realize just how good he was once he leaves. So enjoy him while you can for the next couple of weeks. Um, and that's definitely... You know, uh, like I said, we, we talk about the Glenn Dennings, the Ryans, the Stalls, and guys that we obviously should move if we have the ability to. Um, Bernier is not talked about as much, but I think it might make a lot of sense, man. It might make a lot of sense. All right. That's it for the Wings. Let's get into the Detroit Football Lions. All right. So, uh, whatever they call it, Blood Sunday or whatever. They call it some aggressive-ass name, the, the Sunday before the cap thing where they everybody cuts all their players. Um, they for, they call it like Red Sunday or Blood Sunday. Or, it's like super overly aggressive and should not be the name of it. Um, but that's what it's called. Uh, so it's, it's just – we already talked about it. Um, we kind of got ours out of the way early. We talked about it on Friday. Uh, Desmond Trufant cut that cap hit. Um, obviously we need to do a lot of stuff to get under the cap and that was a great first step. And then reworking the Jamie Collins contract was another great, great, great step. Okay. Uh, this week's news or this weekend's news, I should say was in another effort to cut cap space. Chase Daniel is now on the market. 
and we're trying to trade him. Oh my gosh, it's almost like paying a backup quarterback the contract that we gave him wasn't a very good idea. Who would have thought? Surely not everyone in America, right? There's no way. Holy cow, man. Here's what's going to happen. We're going to try to trade him. We're not going to find a trade partner. We're going to try to work out a buyout. I'd be shocked if that didn't happen. I would be stunned. If anyone traded for him, I'd be stunned. Flat out. And I would also be stunned if we held on to him. Because it doesn't make sense to. Especially if we're taking a quarterback at seven. Why do we need a quarter, a third string QB getting paid like one of the highest salaries on the team? That's an exaggeration, but you get the point. Why he ever got the contract he did is mind-boggling to me. And I know we had, we had PTSD. We had just came off. Stafford got hurt, and Blau was the quarterback. So like I, I get we we were we kind of scared ourselves into it. The, the PTSD of having no other quarterback behind Stafford the year before was why we did it. But holy cow, man, you're not going to convince me that there wasn't a better value deal out there. <laughs> Jeez. So that's the uh, biggest situation. We're trying to move Daniel, uh, the cap situation. We're still trying to lower the cap as much as possible. So therein lies that. I don't even know if there's any rumors at the time of recording here of people that are like, oh, <laughs> like this, this team's in the front running or this team might overpay for Chase Daniel. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I just, I, I can't imagine we get a, a return for him. I, I really can't. Um, and if anybody offers you anything, you take it because that money off the books would be phenomenal. So. Uh, you know, great guy, <laughs> you know, whatever, but <laughs> was never a good deal, still isn't a good deal, and I'm glad that said deal is is hopefully coming to an end. Also, this might be a sign that I, hmm, maybe not. Like, the deal is just so stupid that, like, it just makes sense to get rid of anyway. It might be an indication that we're going QB at 7, but... It also might just be being like, why the hell are we paying our backup quarterback this much money? Please get him out of here. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Um, last piece of lines news is a article was written by a big publication. I believe it was the free. Uh, I believe it was the free. About the... Detroit Lions running back situation and what they should maybe do going into free agency. Now, all I'm going to say is this. We can get way more in depth on this during the free agency period, right? And and what, you know, what happens during free agency, all that kind of stuff um, as we get closer to the date. And we are getting pretty close here a couple weeks away. But... I don't think hmm. I I don't want us to spend money on a running back. 
And that's like a general rule for me. I'm not a big spend big money on running backs person. I'm not completely in the camp of running backs completely don't matter and all running backs are the exact same. However, um, I do understand their value. And I, I don't think, especially with Swift already in that room, I don't think you need to go out and I don't think we need to clear all this cap space just to bring in a running back. Please spend money on defense. I'm 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 not going to advocate for us to go spend big to go drop mills, go drop some millies, some some racks and stacks on on running backs. If you want to spend like like base level, mid-level exception contracts and to to bolster the running back room, give it some depth that it's lacking, I'm all for that. If you want to draft one late in the draft, I'm all for that. Don't spend big money on one and don't draft one in the first two rounds. Please stop drafting running backs in the second round. I am literally begging you. Okay. So that is my my opinion of of we'll we'll go position by position, like I said, as we get closer to the actual day and as we kind of figure out what our cap situation is. Um however. Please don't spend big money on a freaking running back. I will lose my mind. It just doesn't make sense. You might be able to convince me to spend a little bit of cash if we didn't have DeAndre Swift. With DeAndre Swift in the room, it makes no sense. We have some peace on offense. Please go help the defense. If we didn't spend a penny on offense and then we drafted some wide receivers late, what? Hmm. I don't know, man. I, I might be okay with spending literally every penny we have on defense. I, I think so unbelievably low uh, <laughs> of, of this defense. Um, that's not realistic, though. I'm just saying don't don't drop bags. Don't drop high picks on running backs. I'm going to lose my mind. And apparently it was rumored, and I just want to shoot that down as soon as possible. Okay. So. That'll do it for this episode. Wait, that'll do it for the Lions, which means that'll do it for this episode of the Bentley Show. I'm your host, Scott Bentley. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I love it, man. I love doing these. The weekends are, are always my, my longest layoff, and I miss doing them, and I wake up Sunday, and I'm ready to do them. I'm like, oh, right, you know. We don't have an episode till tomorrow. Uh, so hopefully this week is a fun one. We have a lot of, uh, it, it sounds like there's a report right now that it sounds like Akil Badu might cost Victor Reyes a roster spot, which would make me literally cry tears of joy. So we'll see how that goes. But big week coming up, games being played again for the other teams. Lions get closer to draft season and free agency season. Tigers keep playing games. A lot to keep up on. Find it all here, obviously. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for the support that everyone continues to show me. Peace and love. Going to therapy's dope. And go to Detroit Sports, baby. Peace. <laughs>